welcome back friends, Lostgarf here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. Here we talk about everything Kirby, from the games to the people behind making Kirby, and the show Kirby right back at ya. And you know what the big news is right now? It is gotta be Super Smash Bros. Ultimate World of Light, with Kirby as the big save for Nintendo. If you haven't seen it, you gotta see the trailer. I'm secure enough in myself as an adult to admit that I cried when I saw Kirby survive the big laser attack and was the sole survivor that was gonna save everybody. I am so incredibly hyped for this game. Like, there's a lot of Kirby and Smash gameplay on the side channel that's gonna be coming up when the game comes out because, holy crap, there's no way there's not gonna be. The thing is, it's gonna be all on the side channel because we can't have it on the main channel because Nintendo is a channel killer and I really don't want to risk that. I don't want to risk that for the main channel. So we're gonna see a crap ton of... Uh, when we're doing the, the podcast episodes, of course, the, the, the games, but Smash Brothers as well is going to be on the side channel a lot. I can guarantee that, because I'm going to be playing the crap out of those things. And since we're getting close to episode 10, I will be starting to work on the first game, which is going to be Kirby's Dream Land on the Game Boy. You'll see plenty of footage of that on the side channel as I'm working on the video for that. That's going to be a different kind of video. When we do the, when we do the more, the gameplay ones, it's going to be interesting how that podcast works, because... I want there to be some visuals that, of course, show off the levels and everything, but also have to describe them well enough for those who are just only listening to the podcast instead of watching it on YouTube. So we'll see how that balance goes. One more thing about Ultimate, though, is... And, of course, one thing with Smash Ultimate is I am disappointed to not see Bandana D to waddle into the battlefield. That's unfortunate. But there's always a chance with DLC. Oh, and one more cool thing is they are adding new voice lines to Ultimate. So a lot of characters are getting new voice lines. Hopefully, I guess, more Poyos for Kirby and... Just sound effects for everyone else as far as his crew goes. It'll be interesting to see. So today's episode is going to center around Professor Kirio for episode 8 of Kirby's Right Back At Ya. So let's talk about the professor and his voice actors. First up, let's talk about the Japanese voice actor. That is Takashi Nagasako. He's also the voice of the mayor and Tiff's dad. But here's a few well-known voices he's done. He's the voice of Donkey Kong in everything in Japan. He's Donkey Kong in all the games and all anything that has a show with him in it. Donkey Kong is voiced by this one dude. Also, every version of Ganondorf. I'm talking Ocarina Time Ganondorf. Those sound effects, that's him. Wind Waker, that's him. Smash Brothers, that's him. Anything with any noises or dialogue coming from Ganondorf is this dude. That's just him. And something interesting is he's also the voice of Dodoria from Dragon Ball Z. In everything with Dodoria, it's this one dude. Also, Biggs the Cat in Sonic X. He's a voice of a lot of things. He's... Uh, Juggernaut, Wolverine, Cyclops, and, and Mr. Sinister, and like one or two other ones. Now for the American version, they are voiced by Maddie Blaustein, and they were the voice of Waddle Dee as well, Chef Kawasaki, Tuggle, Gengu, Melman, and Biblio. Tuggle is the convenience store guy that we saw in episode 7, if you watched the episode. Gengu, I think is the first time this episode, this is the first episode that has a minute. He's doing with a big wrench, and he's got kind of like a southern accent to him, and he'll be uh, relevant later on. And Melman's the mailman. So they're all voiced by them. And you may recognize them as the voice of Meowth. And a bajillion of other voices in Fighting Foodons and Ultimate Muzzle. Professor Curio himself is a professor in Capitown. He's all about archaeology. Conducting his archaeology out there. Trying to find the history of Capitown. Wanting to know the past. As a scientist myself, I get what he's trying to do here. It's an admirable profession. Just trying to learn about the past and what we used to do and be. And he's a character that Tiff looks up to, because he's an intellectual and she likes smart people. And also because he's interested in Capitan and the history of Capitan. So she's also interested in that. So he's definitely a big influence on Tiff as a person and in her exploits and trying to just be a smarter person in the world. 
There's a few characters who show up every episode. Uh, Professor Kira is one of them. Sometimes you see Chef Kawasaki. You see the mayor a lot. You see Chief Bookham a lot. And so these guys always show up to things. And you see a lot of interactions between him and Tiff and the kids a lot. Like, the kids are always hanging out with uh, Professor Kirio from what I can tell. And we've seen in previous episodes what kind of person he is. Because, like, in the Dynablade episode, when Dynablade does the big air blast, Tiff holds onto a tree branch, and then one of the kids holds onto her, and then they fly off, but then Kirio jumps up to grab them and also grabs onto another kid who's grabbing onto Tiff. Like, they're trying to survive together. And they're only together because of him in that one. Like, he's part of the glue of them sticking together when they could have gotten blown away. So he is kind of a heroic figure, at least when he needs to be. And I'm sure we're going to see more instances of that in the future, but in this episode, it's going to be interesting what happens with Professor Kirio. So let's get started with episode 8, Kirio's Curious Discovery. In the Japanese version, it's called Kirio's Ancient Poo-Poo-Poo Civilization. And if you, I don't think I've said this before, Poo-Poo-Poo is... So the Poo-Poo Village is the Cap, is Cappy Town. In the Japanese version, it's called Poo-Poo Village. Here, it's Cappy Town. And like I mentioned earlier, there's a Kirby toy line called Poo 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 Train. And that's where it's Kirby with the little uh, conductor hat and everything. And he's like a train conductor. So I think it comes from that where it's like just Cappy Town, but a village and everything. Well, with trains. I, that's my best guess from there. Because looking up where Poo 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 comes from, all I've got is Cappy Town as far as I've found anything. And the trains. That's it. So the Japanese title tells you a little bit what the episode's about. And that is Kirio and an ancient Cappy Civilization. So the episode starts with a big ceremony in honor of King Dedede. His entire royal staff is there, so you got Escargoon, Meta, and the Knights, Tiff's family, and a whole lot of Waddle Dees. Escargoon announces King Dedede's entrance, and King Dedede thanks everyone for coming to the ceremony. Now here's the thing. Escargoon announces that King Dedede is the 17,000th and 57th ruler in his line. That's a lot of Ds. And King Dedede is dressed up in a really goofy amount of gold on him and like jewelry kind of thing going on there and i'm gonna need just jinx to put an image of that on the youtube version just so you can see it because it looks goofy and he comes out he's not he's got his eyes closed the whole time for some reason and he's giving out a speech about how well thank you all for coming uh, coming to kiss up to me and then he opens his eyes and realizes there's nobody there there isn't a soul there and at this point you don't know what the ceremony is about though explain later but he's there he's shocked no one's there and then Tiss family starts cracking jokes at King Dedede's expense, and he just gets angry. That seems pretty fireable, because Cerebrum just makes fun of his legitimacy. And then Tiff mentions that the Cappy's founded Cappy Town, and not King Dedede, which makes him even angrier, because he insists he's the ruler of the town. So we got a very angry King Dedede at the start of this whole thing. And then they do the opener, which is, of course, very awesome. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby. After the opener, we have two things going on at once. Tiff and Professor Curio are in the foreground, and they're digging around looking for Cappy fossils. While Tuff and Kirby are in the background playing. Like, they're, like, building, like, a castle with the dirt and everything. And then Kirby's running around with the pickaxe, taking it from Tuff. And he's chasing him around. And they're just playing, and it's very cute. And that's just a fun thing to see. So what's going on is Kirio is confident that they're going to find proof of Capitown's ancient civilization there. And he finds an arrowhead and shows it to Tiff. And she gets all excited. And so she grabs her camera, and she walks back with the camera. Which is going to be significant later. She walks back with the camera and falls into a hole made by Tuff and Kirby, and they laugh about her falling in there. So she gets mad. She starts chasing them around with a trowel. She wants to hurt them. <laughs> she wants to hurt them good. While they're while they're running around, Tuff is talking about how what does it even matter that they're searching for the past? And Kiro says, "Well, it's important to learn about ancient Cappy civilization there. That knowing their past is an important thing." But Tuff's like, "Why? They're all dead. Who cares about that?" But it's important to him. 
And so after they say all that, Tiff is just rushing towards Kirby and, and Tuff to attack them with a the trowel, and she falls into another trap, like another hole, and Kirby and Tuff are just laughing at her again. And then T Tiff just angrily stabs the ground, and we get a ding! She's like, what the hell, she hit something! Professor Kiro makes a weird reaction to this. He's like, huh? And he, he kind of grumbles about it. Mr. Kiro, what's that sound? Uh, 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 what sound? I didn't hear that. Uh, I mean, uh, anything. But Tiff just starts digging with enthusiasm, and she makes Kirby and Tuff help as well. Kirby's pretty useless at helping. Tuff's using his hands, but they eventually dig a hole, and they uncover a stone coffin. Also, it's really cute them trying to dig. So Kirio has a worried look on his face for some reason. I guess he didn't want to find this. And I've seen this episode five times. I know why he doesn't want to, but when I initially saw it, I was like, why isn't he helping? Why isn't Kirio excited? Why does he not want to help with this? I don't get it. The kids are really excited to dig in here, but he's not. And that was weird. They dig it out, and it's just a big stone casket. And this is where it gets weird. Tiff, for some reason, figures it must be the burial of an ancient Cappy King. But why is that? That's a very weird thing, but she just jumps to this conclusion on her own. And the best I can assume for why she assumes it's royalty in a stone casket is because, well, we're thinking like older civilizations usually just had mass graves, a bunch of people just get buried into some hole, not a lot of just individual graves going on there, and royalty would get like individual graves or just better, better, di just better graves, like they wouldn't just get put in a hole, they'd get put in some sort of coffin. So that was something rich people usually had more than poor people, so I think she's making that assumption there. But in the Japanese version, Tiff just figures this is proof that there was an old Cappy civilization, which makes way better sense as a conclusion. I'm not sure where they changed that, but I guess it was... I think I have a, a reason why, and we'll come to that in a moment. But overall, I feel like it was unnecessary, because we're going to find out why she said it that way in a minute. So Tiff is convinced that they have a Cappy king in there, and they get the whole Cappy village to come to the dig site to see this. With this stuff proof that the Cappies made Cappy Town, not King Dedede. And a couple townsfolk talk, one of them being Gengu, who I said earlier, is he's got this southern accent, he's got a big wrench. Meaning King Dedede ain't really the real king like he tells us. That guy's nothing but a liar. He will be significant in seven episodes, but we're going to see him here and there from this point on. I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've seen this guy. And he's just, he's got an interesting accent that I noticed, and I was very surprised to find he actually has interesting stuff going on later on. So then King Dedede shows up in his tank with Escargoon, he's like, oh, you guys won't show up for my coronation ceremony but you'll show up for this okay and it's the anniversary's coronation that's what happens so whenever the heck this day is whatever years ago king ddd was coronated as the new king of cappy town that means there were other ddds before him and well they said that also with the seventeen thousand. but uh yeah there's been other kings before him and he's their king and he's really annoyed they didn't show up to his thing and well now there's this big crowd here for this giant stone sarcophagus giant stone casket and it's because they want proof to show that he's not the first. Like, his people weren't the first ones. It's the Cappies who were there. And we have Tiff and King Dedede arguing over that. She's like, look, we got proof that you're not the first. Like, your people weren't the first ones here. It was the Cappies. And he's like, no, my people were here first. That's why we're the kings. And then she's just like, okay, fine. Just open it up and see what's true. And King Dedede calmly says, all right, sure, I'll, I'll go for broke on this. I'm going to go ahead and open up this casket. And that's where the red flag should be flying. King Dedede's okay with doing this, so instead of just arguing about it, and so he comes over and he breaks it open and everyone sees what's inside, and it's a skeleton of a Dedede with a crown and a hammer. The Cappies aren't happy about this, they're very disappointed, while King Dedede is super happy about this, Tiff isn't happy about it at all, but she accepts the results eventually. There's something I appreciate about Tiff, she's a Firebrand character, but she isn't so stubborn 
that she's not willing to accept the facts. Right now, what's in front of her is a skeleton of a DDD person, and that's enough to say to her, is like, well, shoot, I guess the DDDs were here first. At least where this point is, in this part of history, the DDDs are here, and there's nothing she can argue against that. So that's very unfortunate, because that's against the finding she was hoping for. But she accepts it, and that's huge. In science, it's very important to accept when you're wrong, and she accepts it, and that's pretty good there. So King DDD is very happy, and he tells all the Cappies that they can keep any of the artifacts they find in the area, and just tells them to just dig anywhere, just go nuts. And so the Cappies start digging. You got Chef Kawasaki digging, Genju's digging with his wrench, and funny thing is, Chef Kawasaki comments that the skeleton looks exactly like King Dedede, but skinnier, which I find funny. So Tiff asks Kiryu if the Cappies founded the town or not, and Kiryu says it looks like his theories were wrong. King Dedede and Escargoon are happy about the results, and they have a laugh, and the only people who look sad are Kiryu, Tiff, Tuff, and Kirby. Everyone else is busy digging up artifacts, and they find a bunch of artifacts. Jeff Kawasaki finds what he calls a Halloween mask. Genju finds what he calls a poster. It's got three Ds on it. A bunch of people find things. Bookham finds a freaking pacifier. He calls it a thingamajig. And so yeah, they found a bunch of things. And so now there's just a bunch of proof that the DDD clan was there first. Which, even that's a stretch a bit, because they'd have to, you know, know the age of things. But that's what they find, and Kiro's there saying, like, yep, that's, that's all true. Cutting to that night, Tiff tries to reassure Professor Kirio, because he's very sad and disappointed, and he's just brooding and sullen. So she makes the best burn while trying to be helpful, though. She says, you can always think up new theories about Cappy history, and I bet some of them could even be turn out to be true. That is an epic burn on accident. That is, ow. And Kirio does look at her and groan. Like, ugh. Because <laughs> that's, that. ooh, that's, she's trying to be helpful. She's trying. She is failing. Oh, man. But then Tiff says something that is very important to me as a scientist. And that is, remember what you always say. The most important thing isn't that you show your theory is right, but to dig all the way to the truth. Though they didn't get the result they wanted, they learned the truth, so that's what's important. And so Kira appreciates her words and gives her the arrowhead from earlier that day. So Kira is at least happy that the other Cappies care about the past now. It's just, well, not the results they wanted. And then we cut to later that night where everyone's at dinner over at the castle, except Tiff. So you've got Sir Ibram, Ladylike, and Tuff eating dinner. There's a free spot at the table where Tiff should be, but she's over at the couch and she's brooding over what happened that day. Tuff does find it odd that suddenly today there's a bunch of DDD stuff after everything prior was Cappy stuff, so what's going on with that? Tiff can't shake that something is off and she leaves. And then something cute happens. So Tiff runs off and they show the doorway, and then they pan shot back, slowly, back to the dinner table, and Kirby's in Tiff's spot with the family. And Kirby goes, Pile! And then they all, they're like, holy crap, what? And then Kirby just straight up ninja'd in there. They're like, whoa, Kirby's here. So they offer Tiff's dinner to Kirby, and he happily says, Pile. Like, he just ninja'd in. It is so cute. Didn't see that coming. Really good. He's just got a happy smile on his face. It's just extremely cute. Kirby doing what he does best, being cute. And later on, he's going to be kicking butt. So Tiff runs back to Professor Curio's place and sees him pulling a big cart with him. She starts hiding to watch him. Now, initially, I thought he was leaving the town in disgrace because, well, his findings weren't here. Well, he's done his job, so he's going to leave. But instead, he's back at the dig site and he's digging a hole. Tiff is hiding and wondering what he's doing. And then she sees it. Curio was lugging with him a giant DDD stone statue. She takes pictures of Curio planting the stone and she's just disappointed, understandably. So we cut to the next morning, and all the villagers are gathered around to see Professor Curio found a big stone statue in the likeness of King Dedede. Genju shows up again, he's like, we should call it the Dedede Stone, and everyone agrees. Tiff just looks on disappointed. 
And then she goes and grabs Professor Cure and says they need to talk somewhere private. And Tuff and Kirby follow along because they're curious what's going on. And Tim shows Curio the pictures. And the other two see the pictures too, and they're just surprised. He's like, what, really? He's planting evidence? And Tiff tells Curio she'll turn him in if he doesn't come clean. That's what's going to happen there. In the Japanese version, she more says she knows the truth, but she'll leave it to him to decide what he does with it. Whether he tells the truth or not, that's on him. But she knows the truth, and that's how she handles it in the Japanese version. But as she goes to leave, Escargoon and King Dedede show up, and they capture the three kids and tie them up. Kirby doesn't put up a fight at all. I suppose because Kirby doesn't have any powers at this point. He's just Kirby. Also because they have to tell him to attack most of the time. And so they get tied up, and D- King Dedede and Escargoon tell Kira to do as they rehearsed. So there's the twist, if you didn't catch it earlier, is... Curio is... Well, you caught it earlier with the stone statue. Curio is working with King Dedede and Escargoon. This explains why he's been so fidgety earlier in the episode, why he's been groaning and trying not to admit that the stuff was there, is he didn't really want anyone to find it. But we're about to learn why he did it. So they cut to later on in the day, there's a big stage right there, so that Professor Curio can tell the entire village about his findings. And he just looks anxious the entire time, which no surprise, of course. But he goes up to the stage and he starts talking about his findings, about how all the recent stuff is from the DDD clan. And as he's about to say he is, that it's proof that the DDs were there first, he remembers Tiff's words about the truth, and he grows a spine. He tells everyone it's actually all fake. This is proof that it's all fake because he's the one who planted it all. And Escargoon tries to stop him, but Kirio pushes him away and then he tells the truth. And that is, his business was failing. No one wants to buy his curated stuff. Nobody is interested in the past. No one cares. And so he uses life savings. He's got no money left. So he wanted to go see King Dedede for help. And King Dedede said he would help him if he faked his findings to show that the Dedede's were the legit rulers. Professor Curio then throws Tiff's pictures into the crowd and King Dedede insists that the pictures are fake. But then Tiff shows up and says that it's King Dedede who is the fake. King Dedede is surprised to see her free and then we hear Mexican guitar because Meta Knight's here holding some rope. He's like, it's a pretty messed up thing that King Dedede did. It's a jerk move. So he's pretty justified in freeing the kids. He's like, it's a dirty thing you did, your honor. I'm, <laughs> your highness. <laughs> so the villagers are pretty much ready to rebel against King Dedede. They're mad at King Dedede, just straight up pissed at him. But then he puts them back in their place by revealing his secret weapon. That is the Dedede Stone. The stone grows into a giant Dedede golem and the villagers run away because they better run away. It's pretty much King Dedede rules by fear and he's about to exercise that right now. So we next see King Dedede climbed on top of the golem with Escargoon, and he orders it to go crush the Cappies. It's pretty messed up. He's going full evil now. Like, he's like, we're going to crush the Cappies. We're going straight to Cappy Town and crush the whole place. And that's not a good thing. The kids are hiding one place, and they see Professor Kuro is hiding somewhere else with a pickaxe in hand. He's ready to attack the golem. That ain't going to go very well, but he goes for it anyway. So the golem's walking. He goes to attack it, but the kids stop him because, like, no, that's not going to work out. But as they rush towards Kirio... There's a big tremor from the walks of the golem, and Tiff falls. And King Dedede orders the golem to stomp on Tiff. This is also in the Japanese version. He straight up tells the golem to step on her. He's like, that's going to be the first one right there. That's going to be the start. And as it goes for the stomp, Knight swoops in and puts his sword in the way, and he's blocking it. He's sticking his sword into the foot of the golem, and he's shaking. He is struggling. He is trying not to get crushed himself. As he's saving Tiff, and he tells her to get out of there, and she gets out of there. And this is just a very desperate situation. So the kids tell Kirby to suck up the golem, because that's gonna work. And it, of course, fails. So they tell Kirby to try again. So Kirby goes for it again, and it's not working. So Kira decides to help, and he's like, if, if Kirby can't stop you, I will. And he goes to hit the foot of the golem with his pickaxe. 
And of course, King Dedede makes a joke, and that is, Kirio, you trying to pick a fight? <laughs> Son of a... Oh my god. And he pickaxes the foot of the golem, and he breaks out some shards of it, and the shards go into Kirby's mouth. And bam, we get Stone Kirby. He's Stone Kirby! And so now we got Kirby with powers, and we know Kirby with powers is pretty strong. So the first thing Kirby does, while in regular form, is he headbutts the golem. Like, I guess being Stone Kirby makes him more dense and stronger in that form. So he headbutts the golem, and the golem falls over, which frees Meta Knight, who's been struggling that whole freaking time. The golem does get back up, and it catches Kirby, and it starts squashing him in its palms. He's just squeezing Kirby up, so Tiff calls the Warp Star to help Kirby out. Kirby breaks free of the, of the palms of the golem and gets on his Warp Star, and now the golem's just trying to swat Kirby down, and Kirby's just dodging in the Warp Star, just getting all over the place. And eventually, Kirby flies to the sky, really high, and turns into a big stone Kirby, and just slips off the Warp Star, and falls right on the head of the golem. Like, straight on the head of the golem. Everyone's watching this thing. King Dedede and Escargoon have fallen off the golem when Kirby knocked it over, so they're watching from the side. And Kirby goes from the top of the head of the golem all the way through the center and just breaks the golem into pieces, just right through the thing. And of course, the kids are just really happy and cheering. King Dedede and Escargoon are not happy about this. They're very sad about it. And just, yeah, he destroyed that thing. It turns into like a ton of bricks, a pile of bricks. Professor Curio grabs the kids and tells them we got to get out of here. And he rushes them off so they don't get hurt. Curio is always is always the adult, just helping them out, making sure they're okay. So that's cool right there. Well, Escargoon and King Didi are just, well, they're dejected. And Escargoon makes the line of, it's a downer when your schemes go to pieces. Like, oh my god, these lines. Their lines are just amazing. They, they make the best dumb puns, and I love it so much. And eventually King Dedede and Escargoon get buried in the bricks. So what happens next is they're like, well, should we dig them out? And Kira's like, no, I'm tired of digging out fakes, which is a pretty good line there. Tough offers his and Kirby's help in the future, unless they're playing games when it comes to digging things up for Professor Kirio. And Meta Knight notes that Kirby's getting stronger and stronger. He's becoming a real Star Warrior here. And he leaves as well. Nobody wants to help King Dedede. So everyone's just walking away, just leaving the pile of bricks. So then everyone's walking away and the camera goes down to the pile of bricks and it's like, King Diddy's down there. He's like, well, now there really is a king to dig up. And he yells for Kirby to help and Escargoon actually says they promised not to attack him until he frees them first. Like, that that's what they tell Kirby. Kirby stops walking away, turns around and jumps back to help them with a smile on his face. And that's the end of the episode. Like, it just shows Kirby being just a good kid. Kirby's just a nice fella. That's who Kirby is. But... I think they should have kept the Japanese lines. Actually, I'm debating it right now. Maybe they should have. In the Japanese lines, Escargoon instead offers to give Kirby candy if he rescues them. So it's a more selfish reason. It's cute none the same to see Kirby go to save them, either out of the goodness of his heart or for candy. But if you're thinking about it as a hero type, I suppose it's better if Kirby does it because he's a nice kid than for candy. But still, somebody better give this kid some candy after this because he's a good kid. <laughs> so that's the end of the episode there. It is not a very strong episode. Episode 8 is not a strong episode, I said before. It's the weakest episode so far. This is about a 5 or a 6, and, like, all the previous episodes have been, like, 7 and up. Like, they've been really good episodes. This one has just been pretty weak. I'm. It's nice to get background on characters. I like that a lot. It gave us more depth to Professor Curio, because he is a pretty good guy, and he had a temptation weakness here, and he failed it until Tiff urged him to become more good about it, and that's what happened there. And we're going to get more depth episodes. Episode 9 is about Falala and Fololo. We're going to learn about their origin. Episode 10 is going to be about Chief Bookham. We're going to learn more about him as well. 
And these characters just get more depth to them because of those episodes. And they're really good. Like, don't get me wrong. I think what happened here with episode eight is they just didn't execute it well enough. I don't know what they could have done better with this test of morality for Professor Curio, but we didn't really get a lot here. It wasn't super entertaining. There was stuff in there, but it just could have been better altogether. And I wish I could really say what could have made it better, but it just could have been. I, I just don't have a better criticism than that. It just doesn't feel as well executed as it could have been. And that's what makes it the weakest episode. But thankfully, the episodes I've watched uh, since so far, I'm up to episode 15 like last time, they've been really good. So it's still a very strong start with this show. It's just this is the weakest one so far. And that's it for the episode of the Kirby Dreamcast podcast. Next time we're going to go over episode 9, which as I said a minute ago is Falala and Falala's origin, which is pretty good. You can find the podcast on YouTube, just search Kirby Dreamcast, and on Podbean under the same name. We'll be on other platforms eventually in the future. The only major difference between these versions is that the YouTube version, of course, you can visually watch it as well. And we do have some images and clips there. Like I mentioned earlier, I want King Dedede in his regal outfit, which looks silly as heck, on the YouTube version. But the thing is, when we start covering the video game versions, as I said earlier, it's going to be interesting how that one goes. Because I'm going to want to put up visual representations of the levels so you can see what's going on there. And that ain't going to be easy to describe in listening form, but I will try my best to explain it that way as well. I want these to be really good, of course, that you could watch or listen to them, and you get the, f the whole story of what I'm talking about. And so we'll see how well that goes. As always, if you got feedback, let us know. And, uh, oh yeah, also there is the, the Kirby Twitter, uh, Kirby Dreamcast. It's just Kirby and Dreamcast. That is the, the Twitter for the podcast itself. That Twitter is going to specifically be about just putting out the posts. Like, those are all the tweets it's going to be. And it's going to be following just anyone who's about Kirby. It's going to follow art fan artists of Kirby, official people when it comes to Kirby. It's going to, of course, follow the voice actors and, like, the news sites and all this stuff. Just everything related to Kirby, It was it's going to follow them. And whenever I'm on that, if there's anything really, really good, I'll retweet from that account. But mostly I'll be retweeting from my own account anyway. But that one is mostly there for you to know when the newest episode's out. That's the big thing about that one. And so you can follow there. But that right there is the podcast. I had fun talking. Hope you had fun watching and listening. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by and see you next time. <laughs>